In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. In the passage from Acts, we heard uh, Peter say something about um, God playing favorites. Have, have you all seen people play favorites before? Yeah, you know what we're talking about? Do you like it? <laughs> yeah, I heard no. <laughs> Evidently, you all weren't the favorites. <laughs> all right. uh, I was thinking about that in, uh, when I was in school, especially like middle school or elementary school, and the teacher had a favorite. We, we called them in my school, we called them teacher's pets. Have you heard that? What did y'all call them? Same thing? Yeah. And they were the ones that when the whole class had to write sentences, you know, because you were talking and, and all that, they got, to, uh, they got to go to the bathroom and or go dust the erasers or, you know, whatever. Anyway, but... Uh, if you weren't the favorite, you didn't like it, did you? Um, I have three daughters. And I'm going to confess, I've pulled each one of them aside and said, You're my favorite. <laughs> I don't know what I've messed you up with for the rest of your lives. I'm sorry. <laughs> I started telling them after that, okay, you're my favorite oldest child. You're my favorite youngest child. You're my favorite middle you know, so, but truth be told, um, sometimes people think that God has favorites, too. I don't know if you've noticed that or not, but, but there are folks who are, who are certain, and, and you may be among us, I don't know, you, you, that God doesn't like you as much. Or some people may think, hey, God doesn't like them as much. You know, they drink too much, they cuss too much, they dance too much, they voted the wrong way. They, whoa, my goodness, what they posted on Facebook. They're in the other denomination. They just don't do it right. They're sinful. <laughs> and I don't know if you've noticed this or not. But, but generally, the people that think, at least I haven't done any research, but it just seems to me. seems to me the people that think that God has favorites are generally, or generally the people that think that they are in the in-group. The ones that think that God has favorites think they're in. They're in the favorites. That's why they think that. I... I was, uh, I, when I was in college, um, I was taking a religion class, and I can remember we were having a discussion in class, and I brought up something, you know, about Christianity in, in class. After class, I'm going down the steps outside the building, and this really big guy from my class came up to me, and he was red in the face, and he put his, he was big, let me tell you, he was a big guy. He put his finger in my face and said, I don't believe in your God! And what do you do? And, and, and so, I don't know where it came from, but what I said was, tell me what God it is you don't believe in. I might not believe in that God either. And that kind of stunned him a little bit. And, and he's like, well, I don't like a God to you know. And I said, thank goodness, I don't believe in that God either. Who'd want to believe in a God who does that stuff? Right? But the people that think they're the favorites are generally the ones that think that God has favorites. 
And he, he thought he was on the outs. But he wasn't. He wasn't on the outs. But that's all that to, to come back in to what our passage was about today. Our reading comes from the book of Acts. Um, it's talking about something that Peter did, Peter experienced, and he ends up with a Roman centurion. Uh, a centurion who, he, he lived in, in this city. These are the ruins of Caesarea. And you can go there today. It's on the coast of Israel. And it's about 25, 30 miles north of Tel Aviv. And you can go and visit it. And, and the, uh, the amphitheater is Herod built that, and, and this right here is a, a big track where they'd have horse races. And that was Herod's palace at the beach. You know, down here is a port. They built one of the biggest ports around. In a lot of ways, it's like Jacksonville. Okay? And so it, it, was a, it was a big place, and this is where it happened. You know, it's a real place. And this really happened 2,000 years ago. But that shouldn't surprise us, considering who wrote the, the book of Acts. Um, do you all know who wrote the book of Acts? Some do. Luke. Luke wrote the book of Acts. And let me tell you real quick about, about Luke. Luke is, is one of the, the four main biographies of Jesus that we have. Luke wrote one of those. It's called the book of Luke. How about that? Yeah. Now, I want to read just the first few verses of Luke to kind of let you know what kind of a guy Luke was. This, this is how he starts out the whole biography. He says, Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. So he's like, okay, there's stuff that's happened among us. A lot of people have written about it because they wanted to write it down. He says, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses. And servants of the word. So it's like, wait a second, Luke, are you saying that people saw this? Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. We, we heard from my witnesses and, and people that were there. And then he says, therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning. So wait a second, you've, you've, you've done what? You're like an investigator? Yeah, yeah, I'm an investigator. I'm I, I, I talked to everybody. I, I talked to the eyewitnesses. I, I went to the places. I took notes. Um, and, and, and just so I could put it all together. So I myself have carefully investigated everything from, from the beginning. It seemed good also to me to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. So wait, you put all this down so that you could write it down for some guy named Theo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was doing. I, was, I investigated the whole thing because I want him to know. So that you may know the certainty of the things you've been taught. So Theophilus has heard about this. He's like, man, this is just too weird. And, and so Luke went out and investigated everything and put it down. Does that sound like religious talk to you? This stuff doesn't start out once upon a time in a land far, far away. This is an investigator giving us his report. And this is the same guy that wrote Acts. So, he looked into it. Um, he, he's writing now about what happened in Caesarea. And he says, it starts in chapter 10. It says, in Caesarea, there's a man named Cornelius. 
Cornelius is a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. It's, a, it's an Italian name. Uh, a, a centurion was in charge of a hundred men, you know, kind of approximately equal to an army captain right now. He's in the capital city. You know, here we are in Jacksonville, and it's a military city. Uh, we, have, we have folks who would be very like Cornelius here in town. Now, the regiment uh, was known as the Italian Regiment there in uh, Caesarea. Now, yeah, there's a picture. This is a tabletop. It's about nine feet by four feet. And it talks about the Italian regiment. And this was found in Caesarea. So this is real, real stuff that's going on. So you can go and see that if you'd like to. All right, but at Caesarea, there's a man named Cornelius. He's a centurion. He and all of his family were devout. And they're God-fearing. So think about that just for a second. We have an Italian army guy who's good at what he does. That's why he's been promoted to be a centurion. He's from Italy. He's got an Italian name, serving in an Italian regiment. And he's in the capital city, in charge of a division, of a of hundred men there. He, he's a big dude. He, he, but he believes in God. Now, do you think that he believed in a Hebrew God when he was growing up? No. no. What would he, he have believed in? Roman gods. Right? Because that's where he grew up. Guess what mama and daddy probably believed in? Roman gods. He probably believed in Roman gods. And then he gets transferred and sent over to this little podunk place called Israel. And there he is on tour. And we don't know what happened. We don't know if he talked with some of the other centurions who had um, encounters with Jesus. Or, we, we just don't know. But he and all his family were devout and God-fearing. Somehow they'd come to believe in the Hebrew God, at least as one of the gods, if not the God. And he gave generously to those in need, and he prayed to God regularly. Now, that's interesting, isn't it? All right. Some of you here are kind of like Cornelius, maybe. I mean, you pray. You do good stuff. You know, but... Cornelius didn't know all the stuff that he found out later. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're here, you know. And that's where you are. You're like, yeah, I kind of get along. I'd sit down at the table with him. We'd get along. Now, here's what happened to Cornelius. I'm just going to skip over. I'm going to tell you what happened so we can get down to our reading today. One day, Cornelius is praying and he has a vision. Anybody ever had a vision? I'm not really sure what it's like. But I imagine that it's almost like daydreaming times ten. In this vision, whatever, whatever it was like for him, he, he said an angel appeared to him and told him, Cornelius, God has noticed how you give to charity. He likes it. Here's what he wants you to do. There's a guy named Peter about 35 miles down the coast in a place called Joppa, send for him. He's staying at the tanner's house. Isn't that weird? So, I don't know what you'd do if you had a vision. 
What Cornelius did was he sent one of his soldiers and two of his servants, go see if you can find uh, the tanner's house in Joppa and see if there's a guy named Peter. Because I want to talk to him. Meanwhile, down in Joppa, there's Peter. And Peter is up on top of the roof, which that was a normal thing. You know, that was a place that was easy to get to uh, at those times. And he's up there and he's praying. And guess what he has? A vision. And his vision was a little bit different. Let me see if I have a picture of this. Yeah, his vision. In his vision, he sees this thing that looks like a sheet. And it's being let down from heaven. And on this sheet are all kinds of animals and lizards and reptiles and, and just all kinds of animals. Things that the Jewish people would frankly consider kind of gross. Okay? These are things, you know, they liked things like sheep. Because you can eat them. They're, they're clean animals. They don't like things like pigs or snakes. Or octopus. Okay? Those are unclean animals. And guess what? This, this sheet is filled with all kinds of animals. And a voice from heaven says, Peter, kill and eat. Peter says, what? I've never, I've never eaten that kind of stuff. In fact, that's gross. I don't even know what it is. But look, ugh. You know, he, he doesn't want anything to do. And, and the vision happens three times. And he's told three times... Kill and eat. And he's also told, don't you call unclean what God has made clean. That happened three times. So Peter's like, he's trying to figure this out. And the the Lord tells him one more thing. He says, there's some men downstairs that are looking for you. I want you to go with them. So Peter goes downstairs. And guess what? The three guys that Cornelius sent had found the Tanner's house. Knocked on the door, said, is there a guy named Peter here? And Peter comes down the stairs. He says, I'm the one you're looking for. I'm going with you. Where are we going? And so they go back up to Cornelius' house. Now, this was weird for Peter. How would you like it if you got called to go before an officer in the army that is occupying your, your land? And he's looking for you by name. He's the enemy. And he's got all the power and all the cards and you've got none. How would you feel? I don't know how Peter felt, but he went. God had told him, don't worry about it. So he's like, okay. And he goes. All right. This is where our reading picks up. Now, he gets there. Cornelius is in his house. He's got his family and his friends there. Evidently, they, were, they knew about what time Peter was coming. They had planned a big get-together. We've got to talk to this guy. One child to come over to the house. We're having some hors d'oeuvres. This guy named Peter's coming. I don't know what he's going to say. Peter starts coming down the driveway. And Cornelius gets up, runs out of the house, and falls down at his feet. That had to make Peter feel, one, a little weird, two, a little better. Okay? Because he didn't come out with a sword. He came down and knelt down. And Peter said, whoa, get up, get up. Hey, I'm, I'm just a man. What's going on? 
Cornelius invites him inside. Now, here's the problem. Jewish people were not supposed to go into homes of non-Jewish people. Because it's unclean. They might have bacon in there. (laughs) To which I say, that's one of the signs that God loves Gentiles. (laughs) But to Peter, good Jewish guy, you can't go in a Gentile's house. It's just not what you do. They're, they're impure. They're unclean. They're not God's favorite. You hear that in the background? They're not God's favorite. And so, Peter starts talking. Let's see if it happens before or after this. This, this verse. Um, he said, uh, just before he goes in, Peter says, you know, it's against our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home or to associate with you. But God has shown me I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. And he went inside. Now, then he says, What's going on? Why did you send for me? Cornelius tells him, says, I had a vision. And an angel said to go and find you. And that you'd come and you'd have something to tell us. And then Peter began to speak. He said, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. Because I thought that we were his favorites. I thought the Jewish people were his favorites and you were the enemies because you were being mean to us. I thought that we were his favorites because we had the law and you didn't. I thought we were his favorites because we can't have bacon and you eat it all the time. And you know what? I'm starting to think I'm wrong. I'm starting to think that God doesn't have favorites. But he accepts people from every nation who fear him and do what's right. I was a racist, he's saying. I preferred my own race, Jewish people. But you know what? I don't think God thinks that way. It makes no difference who you are or where you're from. If you want God and are ready to do as he says, the door's open. And then he started telling them the message. He said, you know the message God sent to the people of Israel? Telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who's Lord of all? And I don't know if Cornelius had heard of that. Because Peter has to go on and explain it. I mean, this just happened 70 miles down the road in Jerusalem. Cornelius probably had heard something about it. But he didn't hear the good stuff about it. So Peter starts to explain it. He says, okay, okay. Well, you know what happened throughout Judea, right? In in that area. Beginning in, in Galilee after the baptism that John preached. You know, you've heard of John the Baptist? To which Cornelius was probably like, yeah, I heard of John the Baptist. Do you know why he had heard of John the Baptist? Because the big boss in the area, Herod, 
had killed John the Baptist. Everybody had heard of that. St. Peter's first start to tell the good news is bringing up... You remember the enemy of the state? Uh, I mean, <laughs> did I say that out loud? And how God anointed... So he just moves on. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. Have you heard of this Jesus? Yeah, he's probably heard of Jesus. A lot of people had heard of Jesus at this point. But Jesus had been killed. Where are you going with this, Peter? God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and power, and he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Had you heard that part, Cornelius? No? I hadn't heard that, that part. You mean like sick people actually got better? What do you do? Like give them drugs? What do you do? No, you just laid his hands on them and, and said, be healed. And they were. How many times did that happen? That, uh, more times than I can count. He'd just go into a town and every sick person would get healed. He'd lay hands on every single one of them. There was even this guy that was dead. And he, he went up to the tomb and called and said, hey, come out of there. And the dude came out. He'd been dead four days. Really? Saw it with my own eyes. He said, we're witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. Then Peter probably kind of thought real quickly and said, it's probably best that I don't say Pilate had him killed. That might not go over too well with one of Pilate's soldiers. Uh, the Jews, they killed him by hanging him on a tree. Let's just not bring up the cross. Really. Anyway, but they killed him by hanging him on a tree. Maybe to him that meant the cross. But God raised him from the dead on the third day. And I, what's, what's the centurion doing at this point? He's like, okay, you had me right up until then. I mean, yeah, I heard of this Jesus. We heard he was put to death because he was about to start an insurrection or something like that. He, he thought he was king or people were... Anyway, there was about to be a riot. I, you had me up until this. He, he raised from the dead. And Peter's like, no, no, no. It really happened. He, he was seen. God made sure that people saw him. And, and he ate with us and he drank with us. After he rose from the dead. We didn't imagine it. He cooked breakfast for us. We were out in the boats, and, and this dude was on the shore, and he called us for breakfast, and we got there. And I figured out, wait, that's him. And it really was. And he had, he had the hole still in his hands and his feet. It was him. We saw him. We stayed with him for 40 days. If you, if you don't believe it, there, there was this time we had this big gathering down at the park. There were 500 of us there, and he showed up. Go and find them. They all saw him. Now, notice what Peter didn't say. Peter didn't say, you know what? If you want God to like you, you better live life differently because you're doing it wrong. 
You're eating pork. You're beating up my people. You're doing it wrong. Peter didn't say anything about that. Peter just said, you know what? There's this man sent from God. And he did a bunch of good things. And we saw him. It was miraculous. And he was put to death. And he came back three days later. And we saw him. We talked with him. Do you know that's the good news? The good news is not, well, God can still love you even if you do all the bad stuff. I mean, that's, that's true. God does still love you. The good news is that this happened. Now, the question is, what do you do with it? Foundationally, Christianity is not about morals. It's not about trying to get good stars in Sunday or gold stars in Sunday school. Christianity is is about whether or not this really happens, and do you believe it and trust it or not. Everything else follows after that. You can't earn your way to heaven. You just need to know Jesus. He wasn't just a good teacher and a do-gooder. He was killed, and three days later he rose. And a bunch of people saw it. So, Peter goes on and says, He commanded us to preach to the people. Who did? Jesus did. The dead guy? Not anymore. He commanded us to preach to the people to testify that He's the one that God appointed judge of the living and the dead. That means... He really is God in the flesh. And he goes on. This is the groundbreaking news. He said, all the prophets testify about him. To which Cornelius was probably thinking, yeah, I've kind of heard about this. And and y'all have been telling me that all the prophets are testifying about a Messiah that's going to come and be king. And Peter says, yeah, that's the same guy. He'll do that one day. He just earned the right to do it 40 days ago. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And it probably clicked for Peter at that point. Where Peter had come in thinking God plays favorites and I'm one of them. To the idea that, well, maybe I shouldn't call you unclean because God actually probably likes you. To all of a sudden he realizes everyone who believes in him receives. Everyone. Do you know what that means about God's favorites? That means that God doesn't have favorites. That means that God has opened the door to everybody. Everybody is welcome. Wait, 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 says Cornelius. I was just on Facebook this morning, and you won't believe what this guy down the street posted on his Facebook. Are you telling me he's welcome? Yes, that's what I'm telling you. Because all the prophets have been saying this for a long time, and it just clicked. I didn't realize it, but everyone is welcome. More than that, everybody gets in the same way. 
There's no way that you can pre-purchase a ticket. You can't get first class when everybody else is in coach. Everybody gets in the same way. You don't get in because you look better than I do, although you do. This is how you get in. You believe. You trust. You say, I'm just going to, I'm going to go with that. I don't understand it. I'm just going to go with it. That Jesus rose from the dead and that he's made a way to God that I couldn't find on my own. Everybody is welcome and everybody gets in the same way. You don't get in faster if you go to seminary and wear one of these on Sunday. You get in the same way. You know what else? You know what what else that proves that God has no favorites? Everybody gets the same reward. You don't get a bigger one because you've been doing it longer. You don't get a bigger one because you stand up in front of folks and tell them they should do it. You know what the reward is? You get a clean slate. You get a clean slate. And all those things that you hope I don't ask you about in public, you don't have to worry about those from this day on. And God gives you the power to start dealing with them. But everybody is welcome. God has no favorites. And if you hear that God has favorites from somebody, that's just because they think they're the favorite. Don't you believe it? God is no respecter of persons. He has no favorites. Everybody's welcome. Everybody gets in the same way. By believing. By trusting. You're like, how can I make myself believe something? I'm not trying to make you, you convince yourself of something that you're not ready to convince yourself of. But are you willing to try it out? And to go with that? And find out if it's true? Because that's how you get in. And everybody gets the same reward. You get a brand new start. Forgiveness of sins. That means that you also have a relationship with God like you've never had before. That means that you have a new right that you've never had before. You have the right to be called a child of God. To be known that you are beloved by the one who made everything. Because he knows you by name. You get to be intimate and close. You even get to be friends with God. Later on, Paul would, would write this. He says, now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends with God. That's what you get. That's the reward. Everybody Gets it. Who trusts enough to try it out. Christianity is the most open and the most fair option out there. And evidently the lines connected for Cornelius. And everyone else in the room also, they got it. They understood. Because Cornelius was baptized that day. He said, I'm in. Now I'm betting you Cornelius did not have a theology degree. There was lots he didn't understand. That may be you. There's lots you don't understand and there's lots that doesn't make sense. That was me too. 
There's a lot I still don't understand. Thank goodness everybody's invited. Everybody gets in the same way. And everybody gets the same reward because that means I can do it. So can you. So can you. He started a brand new life and brand new relationship as a friend of God because of what Jesus did. And if you're here and you don't know that you can say that God is your friend, not that you believe in God, you probably believe that there's a God if you're sitting in this room. That's just, you probably already believe that. But if you can't say that God is your friend, guess what? You're invited. Everybody's welcome. Everybody gets in the same way. Or what if you've drifted apart? I mean, you used to have this relationship and, you know, then one thing led to another and after college and I got married and this, you know, and it's been a while. That's okay. Come back. That friendship is still good on God's side. The only catch is it comes through trust in Jesus. He's the way that it happens. If you want to try and do this without Jesus, you're not really going to find that friendship. You might find a lot of religion. You might find a lot of trying. You may try and do a lot of stuff, clean up your life, pray a lot, do, you know, try and do good things. But you won't find that friendship without Jesus. You don't have to understand all that. Just know that. But everyone who believes in Him has their sins forgiven forever. And today can be your day. Right where you're sitting. If you'd rather come to the altar, you can. But right where you're sitting, you can pray and say, Okay, I don't know how this works. But if Jesus is the way I get to be God's friend, I'm in. I'm willing to try that. I'm willing to step out on it. See if it holds me up. You can pray because God listens to you. Tell Him what you want Him to know. Tell Him you're willing to trust Jesus to help you. If you're in here and you care about somebody else and and you know they don't know this, pray for them today. You can pray in your seat for them that they'll find this out or, or you can come to the altar and pray for them. But this is the time. Everybody's welcome. Everybody gets in. The same way. Everybody gets the same reward. So, let's pray. And then I'm going to give you a minute, minute and a half to do business on your own. In your seat or up here. For you or for somebody you love. Lord God, you sent your son so that we could become your friends. Lord Jesus. You took upon yourself sins and brokenness. You took all that could be thrown at you on the cross. And you weathered the storm. And you were victorious in it. And on Sunday, we found out about it. Lord, would you come close to those who want to come close to you now? And welcome them in that they'll get the same reward that you give all of your family. So, I invite you. Do business with God. In your seat, or come up here. I'll be glad to pray with you up here. And after a minute or two, we'll move on.
Happy Easter.